and welcome to the Honeywood podcast. Um, I'm here with Clay and we are going to have a little chat about feedback and guidance and the literature and the most recent research uh, that we have found um, and any sort of literature that's backing up what mainly what David Calver has already recorded um, on a separate podcast and what the departments have been doing across the school but we are just we are just going to be talking about literature from that. So before anything Clay. Hello. <laughs> feedback and guidance. Mm-hmm. What is it? Um, well I would say it's a two-part like yep. a, um, mm-hmm. a two-step process. Um, obviously feedback being well it's taking a piece of work or something a learner has done us kind of analysing it and then offering our support. Yeah, and I think it's, it's I suppose it's it's kind of linking to maybe successful criteria, how they've done, how they can make it better. That's kind of falls into the guidance bit, that, then, isn't it? It's the feedback. Mm. I think learners want that to know exactly if they're doing the right thing, um, and how they're doing overall, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, I mean, what have you found when you've? I know you've done a lot, a lot of reading on this. Yeah, you? I found there's a, there's actually loads of studies, um, loads of literature reviews um, that look at feedback, and obviously feedback is such a big thing. So it's we're gonna list just... we're gonna list these on our website, right? Next yep. To so okay. on on our website, we're gonna have, I'm gonna have all the we've got all the studies that people can um, read more into detail. You know, it would take forever to try and do it all here. So this is just kind of a summary okay. of everything that's been found, uh, found trying to break it in, down into the different, either different methods of feedback. Um, so the first thing that I'll talk about is the nature of effective feedback. So looking at all the different studies, trying to collate everything together, I'll just kind of list off what I found. Okay. Um, so looking at different uh, literature reviews, um, generally the consensus is that effective feedback can show um, an advance of students' achievement for up to a year of progress, Okay. which is obviously really yeah, good. Yeah, if you're doing it the right way, then that should, yeah. So in other words, if you don't provide effective feedback to a learner, they will be a year behind Gosh. effectively a learner who has been shown effective feedback, which at this stage is, is massive. Obviously, that's crazy. Yeah, I know. Obviously, it's only up to a year, so not every. I know, but that's vast. If we're not doing it correctly, which I think a lot of us are struggling with yeah. that, and that, I know that that's a big, that's a big focus for a lot of departments across the whole school. Yeah, so that's, that's just that just shows why, yeah. right? I think if everyone knows that their learners could be achieving up to a year extra progress, then you know it'd be a bit yeah, of a kick up the bum to, um, to you know have a little revamp of your your feedback. Um, okay, so. Feedback needs to be informative and descriptive, um, and it should help show learners where they are in relation to their learning goals. So obviously, you know, so they can see what they need to achieve, how to how to achieve it as well. So there's no point in just saying good, well done. No, not at all. There's there's no informative Wasting there. Time. It's just praise, which is one of the things um, that I was going to talk about. Is how just praise alone, it it's shown no benefit whatsoever. Okay. You know, just saying good, well done, excellent. I mean. For a kind of, uh, a, you know, a mood point of view, yeah, you'd, you'd love to get praise, of course. So I suppose it does have its positives, but in terms of guidance going forward, no, it's it does it doesn't actually offer anything. It does not help with progression. No, not okay. at all. It's just a reassurance thing. Mm-hmm. Um, feedback is less helpful when it focuses the students' minds on their positional level relative to other students in the class. So if when we give feedback, we say, "Well done, doing really well. You could do this, this, and this. Um, you are currently." in the bottom five of the class in terms of their, their actual grading, obviously that might counteract the effective feedback, so they'd be more hooked on that. Um, and so then that literature is showing a little bit against the whole quartile thing? Yes, absolutely, okay. yeah. Um, 
we should mirror how we receive and act on feedback. So as in how we ourselves as colleagues really, uh, sorry, give and receive feedback, which I think is really key, actually. Don't really think about that. So if we're not providing effective feedback for each other, how can we even model that with the learners? Yeah. Yeah. Um, some methods that don't result in progress include praise and and reassurance and if the feedback is too specific the learner can focus too much on details and not the strategies used to attain the goal okay so that tells me then it's not just we need to the targets needs to be a, a, a like a whole school like not a whole school like a whole subject thing not just a make sure that you know what a cell is or that you know how to add numbers together but more about the process of their learning yeah okay. and also it's, it's trying not to bombard them too yeah. much as well so um you know they could focus too much on a very very minor detail that you know in the wider perspective it doesn't really progress them as a learner in that too much no maybe no just maybe on that one tiny detail um it's not useful to focus on skills higher than those already acquired as well so if you know it needs to be realistic yeah and it needs to be specific to each learner yeah exactly so it needs to be personalized and you know rather than giving the same feedback to a whole class it is. It, it should be personalised, shouldn't it? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Um, and with that, the provider or the teacher needs to make good judgment on that. So we need to know our kids. Okay. Which, again, it should be something that we already yeah. know. But then I think the big thing here is just, in, you know, the the time it takes to give effective feedback, mm-hmm. isn't it? Like, I, I would love to think that I know all my learners that I teach now at this point of the year, which I think I do, but actually to give frequent feedback into such a level, that will take a lot of time. Yeah. But I read, and I think I sent it to you as well, about there being a big thing from the Department of Education that they are aware of the sort of the pressures that schools or teachers put on themselves about this feedback and giving effective feedback and the amount of time it takes so the work-life balance thing yeah it's a massive thing at the moment across not just feedback um but obviously that that is a massive uh, time consumption they are doing a big push on um teacher workload at the moment and it's more about what all the studies show it's more about the quality of the feedback rather than the quantity so rather than thinking oh my god i need to mop the books every couple of weeks uh, some schools are only doing it once a term but it's effective yeah what I will say is, I think this is a good time. I, I wrote, re- read a lot of things about, um, obviously, feedback and guidance and what Ofsted wants us to yeah. have to say. Okay, in the past, we haven't been much of a driving force with Ofsted behind us sort of thing. But they do say that um, they recognise that marking, feedback, or guidance, whatever you want to say, uh, both written and oral, is recognised. So it's not that we have to write. We don't have to mark books. Um, so... Even if they were to come in, they do not expect to see any specific frequency, but it just needs to be consistent. So whatever the department or the school decides, that needs to be stuck to Mm. by everybody. So they will not come and scrutinise books. But what they will mark us down on or criticise us on is if it's not consistent and one department is giving feedback every two weeks, every three weeks, and other departments are doing it every term. So that's what Ofsted are saying, which I think was quite reassuring to read because I think in the past everybody's been so worried when if Ofsted comes in, we'd have to collect all our books and we have to mark them and we have to do this level of whatever. Mm. They they recognise that feedback can be both oral and written and they don't expect a specific frequency. They just want to see that the learners are making progress yeah. based on the feedback that we're giving them. I mean, the idea with Ofsted as well is that we're not, when you get the call, say Ofsted coming in, you don't quickly 
try and catch try and catch up on on a year's worth of feedback it's like you say consistency if we if we do it right from the start there's nothing to be worried about yeah absolutely consistency is one of the things as well um a study that i came across uh olive tree primary they were looking at oral feedback and the main issue was the uh consistency as as well across school Mm. so they found that oral feedback was the way forward in their school because 50 percent of teachers said that written um feedback is the most time consuming thing in teaching at the moment which um a larger study showed exactly the same. Most people said that it's the, the written marking that is actually taken up all the time. Yeah, because people often going into teaching. I think, yeah, sometimes exactly. Um, so they actually have used an app called uh, Voice. I think it's called Voice. Um, that's what it said. I don't know if this app is still there, but they used an app called Voice um, where it can record feedback and uh, they can either respond with their voice notes or um, you can add, I think, like, like typed, comments. typed comments where the learners can actually you know, receive that as a file um, and they've been shown to, to respond to it more effectively than they were written because, you know, listening to someone, certain they, learners found that yeah. a lot easier. Did they say that that was, do, do we as teachers record the feedback or do they, did the learners go and record the feedback that was just given to them? So we record the feedback. So it would be if, if you're taking in books, uh, rather than actually uh, r- giving written feedback on the books, well, you would just great. do a voice. Yeah, I mean, it's it's quicker to speak a conversation than it is to type it, isn't it? Generally. Will I our mean, learners listen to it? Well, they've got the technology to. There's no reason for them not to. No, write. and I know um, in the past, uh, Mitchell was trialling a app that had barcodes, so you would speak, um, or, sorry, record your feedback, then it would be synced up to a barcode. I think it was a sticker. Um, or, or a QR code, sorry, oh. and then they would scan the QR code, and then they would have the sound clip come I up. Like that a lot. Um, yeah, so I mean, there is the technology out there, and it's actually shown to reduce the teacher workload oh, well, um, do, it? massively by uh, so seventy five percent of of people said that they think it reduces teacher workload, which I th- I can't see why it wouldn't if you're just. So if anybody's listened to this and would be willing to give this a try over the next couple of weeks, maybe before the summer. Um, yeah, instead of writing their food back, maybe take a book, set books in, record some, let us know what the learners think, tell us what you think. Uh, that would be great if somebody could actually do a little bit of short-term action research based on that. That would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah, feedback to us, that would be great. The other benefits as well is if, I know it's not so much of a, an issue at our school, but for EAL learners or oh, um, yeah. learners who have difficulty reading teachers' handwriting as well, it's... Um, it's it's much easier. Act for, for much, everybody, much for easier. Everybody to access. Yeah, yeah, of course it is. Um, so 92% of the teachers agreed that the uh, that voice feedback has a greater impact on progress versus written as well. Wow. 92%. Um, also, with that app, the parents will get notified when their kids have been See, given See, I really feedback. like that idea because actually they can listen to that over and over again. And you can say, right, before you do your next assessment, go and listen back to the feedback that I gave you. Yeah, that's fab. I, I like know. that a lot. And then I'm it just sort of continues that as a dialogue, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, the sort of the triple impact marking, which is what I'll come on to later. Oh. Um, but I know when um Abby was talking about, you know, some of the the struggles or the issues with the feedback in the departments, she was saying it's just consistency. So, um, coming up with their marking plan, obviously it should hopefully resolve that consistency. Um, which that's I think is thing. it definitely is something. I mean, trying to get the consistency with yourself is one issue, but then trying to get it within a department is... whole new challenge. Yeah. But they addressed that in the other podcast, right? Yeah. Fab. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, okay, 
So that was oral feedback. Looking at marking feedback now, I found a really good um, review on the Education Endowment Foundation, the EEF, which um, there is a link to that on our um, page. On our page. Um, excellent website, really good for studies. Um, so they split the written feedback into uh, into different categories. First one being grading. So as in, this is what they have found. So they've looked at the use of grading in written feedback. Mm -hmm. How effective is it? Um, and there was absolutely no evidence showing that a grade and no comment increases progress. So if you only give a score or a grade and no other written comment, that's absolutely no benefit yep, whatsoever. I'd agree with that. I mean, From there's, no, we know, there's yeah. no guidance there, is there? No. I mean, you, if you want to know how to improve something... You've got 9 out of 10, but you're not being told how to get that 10th mark. Exactly. It tells yeah. you where you are, but it doesn't... Yeah. Yeah. Um, in Sweden... I know, obviously, we're not in Sweden, but in Sweden, <laughs> um, boys actually made less progress with grades. Less so, progress. Less progress. Reason being is because they found that the boys in their nature are very competitive they actually you know if they thought they'd done really well and it wasn't quite as good then they were really disheartened and you know their, their peers might have got above them and they actually um not necessarily regressed but they didn't pro progress as much as uh, the girls did so girls in sweden did actually show an increase in progress so okay which is quite interesting improving. yeah so obviously there are pros and cons to giving a grade as well um however grades can uh, reduce the impact of comments so for example a grade generally, I find with my learners, is the first place they go to yeah. on, on a paper. I completely agree with you. They just want to know what they got. Yeah. Um, which I suppose is a natural thing. You want to, you know, I, I can think of any test or score or anything that I've done. You just want to know the result first of all. Did and I pass? Did I pass? And I think the learners that then just want to, yeah, they, they're happy to just sit on that, don't they? Mm -hmm. Whereas some of our learners want to know, well, I didn't get 100%. How do I need to get to 100%? It's not, not a lot of them, though. No. Um, the next thing that they looked at was corrections, so um, the language that we use in corrections. And they um, talked a lot about mistakes versus errors. So talk uh, as in something that was a silly mistake or something they didn't know. Okay. So actually highlighting the difference between the two. Um, because if it was a silly mistake, you know, that's something that could quite easily be rectified. If it was something they didn't know, in the feedback, you may need to offer them a bit more support. Um, so if, for example, science, it was something that you, we clearly thought, right, that answer, they clearly did not know the answer, or it could have just been a really silly mistake. Um, so that's I mean, where our close the gap things, in science we're doing close the gap activities, aren't we? Yeah. Um, again, which is being discussed in the other podcast. Um, I've tried a couple of those close the gap things, and obviously that is then addressing errors. Is that what you're saying? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Rather than it being a silly mistake, this yeah. is actually gaps in their knowledge that yeah. need to be filled. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, and if we provide them the correct answer, so if we just write the answer, um, it actually removes the task of learners having to think or trying to close that gap. So if you just tell them, no, the answer was this, it completely removes the whole thought process of learning it. So again, but that's that that also addresses the whole time-consuming thing that some people do of correcting every mistake by giving them the right answer instead mm -hmm. of actually factoring in a lesson or a task, whether it's an independent study or something like that, where they're addressing those mistakes rather than just being told what them. The, yeah, exactly. What and the best thing, like you're saying, is to kind of look at what they've done, look at their mistakes or errors, and and then summarise at the end and give them a few questions. Yeah, right, instead of just saying what the answers are. Yeah. Like um, so again, like you say, that completely reduces workload if you are giving them questions that may, you know, hit more than yeah, one, one bird yeah. with 
the stone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Um, okay, so give them reminders for uh, for mistakes or hints. So when they've made the silly mistakes, it's more of a reminder type of... Mm-hmm. Um, a hint. Yeah, more yeah. more of a hint, um, rather than actually telling them what it should have been. Uh, otherwise, they wouldn't know what they'd actually done wrong. So, you know, rather than just marking it with a cross, they wouldn't know whether that's a silly mistake or they're completely wrong. Because there are times in, for example, we're marking the mocks at the moment where it, you want to tear your hair out because what they've put is so close, or what they've written is is correct, but it's not what it's asked them to do. Or not enough enough detail to get the marks. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the hardest thing with mocks, because we can't give feedback on every question. You put mm. crosses, and I don't want my learners to think, oh, I was completely wrong there in what I've said. Yeah. Um, so so what, I, they say, what, what should we be doing then? Um, well. Or what could we do? Almost have, like, a code there? I mean, it's so they have actually said coding is has been shown to um speed up the process so i know i mean i've i've never used the coding but i know some have kind of like sp for spelling and yeah yeah, yeah. different coding things so you're like not that telling what the spelling mistake is you're just telling them there is a mistake you need to go and that's it. it and again i suppose just a just a couple of initials is so quick isn't it well then that's something that maybe departments need to think about within their feedback and guidance policy or marketing mm. policy or whatever you want to call it is actually having if that's effective to them having a coding system where they are being told actually you got this completely wrong yeah you need to go and relearn this as or actually this needs to be more details just look over it again i think as long as the learners know the coding system so as long as they know yeah. what it means but then that maybe needs to be a consistent thing across the school yeah i mean starting with key stage three could be yeah so in you know certainly in science we could give them a lesson on you know these are the codes of your feedback they, they'd pick it up wouldn't they well, yeah, but we like I said, I think it needs to be consistency across the whole school because if we're using a different code in science to the one that mm. English is using, um, because obviously spelling mistakes across the whole school, if you just put SP next to it and everybody knows that's a spelling mistake, yeah. then you can use that across... I think the they do in primaries, don't they? So yeah, a lot of them probably yeah. quite... If I suppose speaking to primary schools would help because if, if, you know, if every primary school was using similar things, there's no reason and why we can't. That's a good can't. idea. Maybe we need to discuss that with LT. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Um, thoroughness is the next one. So the thoroughness of our marking. So flick and tick shows no value in progress. Um, I think... We know that. Uh, yeah, we do know <laughs> that. And uh, we've all been, you know, we've all done it as a... You feel like you need to show that you're giving some feedback and marking. And a lot of the time, the, you know, just to show, oh, yeah, I have gone through the books. We do the whole flick and tick thing. But... Yeah. It's, it's pointless absolutely pointless so if you're going to do that we need to offer info um to make it more effective so why have we t- why have we crossed it what's wrong i mean we've just obviously discussed yeah. all that yeah. um so you know they're tr- what they're saying is consider marketing less but with better quality um that's the overall thing of all the studies they just say you know try to reduce the workload make it more effective less often um i mean not less often as in we Don't do it like well. once a year but <laughs> yeah. um but you know it can you can get more out of less marking yeah um and having it more effective so rather than doing it three times a half term if you did once a half term but it was really thorough really good but i think a big thing there is to actually get the learners to respond to that feedback mm. um so we're giving them that guidance then they're responding to it not just going yeah man i've read it but actually following that up so again in science we've got this close the gap activities that we're doing where it is very very much we are identifying areas that they need to work on they're responding to that guidance by actually doing an activity with it yeah 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 and with the learner responses that was the, actually the next 
um, step that they look at. Um, and it's saying that students don't engage with or find it hard to act on given feedback, um, but they do value the opportunity. So, okay. but that's more to do with the timing. So generally, um, it's in our nature to give feedback at the end of an assessment or the end of a topic. Uh, but they've actually found that mid-project or mid uh, unit feedback is much more likely for the learners to act, uh, them okay. much more likely to act on it because they're still doing that process. Whereas, yeah. you know, if we're moving on to a whole new unit, we spend one lesson on the feedback and they say, yes, I will do this. And then we go on to something completely okay, different. And also if, if they know, if it is a project, if there's a, you know, they've got to do a presentation at the end or they've got to submit something and you're giving them the feedback halfway through, that's much more beneficial because they're going to use that for what they're doing. Um, creating a dialogue. So feedback should not just be a just, you know, one time straight from us. Thank you. I'll take that. It should be a dialogue. So we need to see what they're doing with it, okay. um, which at times we have done, I think, but a lot of the time we don't. We just give feedback and we don't really you know we we trust them we say here's your is submit it but then we might not be following, following up on that so we need to actually almost give feedback on their responses to yeah. the feedback does that make so sense it's a three-way thing right yeah so it's we give them they've done something we've given them the feedback they responded to it we need to then respond on their response yeah and something called triple impact marking is something that they're they're looking at a lot and there aren't many um people who are actually doing it so triple impact is in three stages so offer the feedback they respond then we respond to their yeah. responses so what's that called triple triple impact, impact marking yeah um it's quite big at the moment so yeah um and that is shown to improve progress much more than just the it's probably not called double impact but, <laughs> but yeah as in just the feedback response they respond and then actually nothing comes from that because they can still be making mistakes from the from their responses yeah, yeah exactly um and then the so we, targets is the next one so when giving targets we need to be precise um rather than making it too open okay. because this could be frustrating for the learners because they again they might not they might be more confused than before mm. um so we need to be very precise so short-term targets um and it's also better if the learners are involved in target setting so i suppose a bit like our learner learning reviews when they are actually involved they come up with their own targets so it's something that they know they could do but that that this is all again to do with you know factoring in the um a time to allow them to have that open dialogue for us to set the targets with them because yeah. you know especially with my year eight classes they're massive classes mm. um and doing that effectively for everybody in 100 minute le- when a 100 minute lesson isn't necessarily no. effective but no. We can give it a try. Yeah, I mean, with the 75-minute lessons next year, I know in science we've actually gained lessons, so we've got more time, more kind of wiggle yeah, room itself, um, yeah. to do this if we wanted. Um, so, you but know, there's other subjects that have lost time. Yeah. So, but it's all about just weighing it up instead of you know instead of taking a, a pile of books home, which is what we're discouraging people to do. What instead we're asking them to do is. Tech, potentially take up some teaching time that they might have allocated but actually having like feedback and guidance lessons or target lessons or whatever you want to call them because it's going to give them that chance to make the progress and yeah. actually we, you know in the past we've been so good about independent learning lessons not always effective yeah. but we can set projects like that allowing us time to have one-to-one feedback lesson or conversations with learners just getting that back again i think yeah they definitely because appreciate they can then, it. Yeah, and then they can take, they can record that feedback again on their little voice. 
There you go. Something to trial. Um, the final thing they looked at was the frequency um, and the speed of marking as well. So, again, this isn't always practical, but next lesson feedback is the most effective. To straight after the lesson. Straight after. I mean, rather than someone handing something in on Google Classroom, uh, a few weeks later we think, oh, I've got I'm some time, it, yeah. give some feedback. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, if it was me, as a, you know, if I've got 10 subjects... Yeah. Three weeks ago, I, I wouldn't even rem- I wouldn't remember no, what I'd written. No, no. Um, so I mean, it's again, it's trying to find that balance because it's it's not possible for everyone to provide feedback the lessons after, especially mm. if you see them three times in a week and they're all you know Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, uh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's it can be difficult. So that's ideal next lesson, but as exactly. Soon as possible, so really I mean, as I've started trying to do that when taking in books or. Or, or offering f- feedback I've tried to do it when I know I've got maybe a, a few day gap where it's, it's going to be more possible because otherwise if you take your books in and then you have them the day after there, there's no way yeah. you're going to you're okay, going to do that ahead, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah there's quite there's a lot that is a lot there there's a lot to think about so far I mean there is so much that we could do you know numerous podcasts on but obviously we're not going to do that because it's all out there and people can access it it's all on our site links to our site there's links to the uh, research websites that they can find there's links to the actual studies um there's even resources that people can use like as in pro forma sheets as well um that we've got for all the different topics that we're going to be talking about um so this was one of our major releases wasn't it this is our yeah most recent big release um and we're going to be trying to release obviously every not every i was gonna say every half term really is realistically when we want to make it useful don't we so um but please come and see us if anybody's got any questions or they want some you know some ideas of things they want to use or if you want to trial some things and maybe start up a little action research project doesn't need to be something big and scary but give these things a go let us know how you find things uh, you know how have the learners responded to it how have you found it has it eased your workload do you think learners are making progress yeah come and speak to us let us know write something up or just come and have a chat with us we'd be really really keen to hear from you yeah we've got a sofa now come and chat on the sofa chat do you say yes oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I thought you said someone else right right peace out everyone thank speak you soon. very much bye